on this episode of I'm There For You, Baby. Baby, you're muted. I'm originally from Mexico. I was born and raised in the beautiful city of Morelia. Tidy, that is not what you told me. What you told me is you were trying to get an online uh, restaurant with a really good taco. You couldn't find it. And so you decided to build an organization to empower those 40,000 businesses to reach you. Our show celebrates entrepreneurship, whether it's in your own business, a nonprofit, or a large organization. Also, she's been chained to her desk, which improves uh, behavior. We started on the day that Lehman Brothers went bankrupt. Not a great time to start the kind of company uh, that we were doing. Oh, so you're also a great lover. Uh, well, I, I, I always, I, I guess so. Because <laughs> remember, this is all fascinating, but I'm trying to make a buck here, Hector. So, <laughs> I'm There For You Baby is produced in San Diego, California, America's finest city. The COVID pandemic has hit America hard. Nationwide, black individuals have seen 2.6 times greater infection rate than their white counterparts. The news is especially frightening for African-Americans who are at a greater risk of severe complications from COVID-19 due to underlying conditions such as heart disease, diabetes, and obesity. I'm Dr. Shirley Weber, the Assemblywoman from the 79th, and I'm encouraging everyone in our communities to do their part. Get tested, mask up, and avoid gatherings. Visit blackcovidfactsd.org. Hello, listeners, and welcome to I'm There For You, Baby, the Entrepreneur's Guide to the Galaxy. And um, I'm going to share with you a kind of a what's on my mind today, in part, without spending any energy on the subject of the Capitol, the police, the riots, etc., I thought it was important to find a way for us to navigate um, unsettled waters. And so for that, I turned to an author a British author named Henry James. Henry James is famous for many things he wrote, but the best one is called The Turn of the Screw, and that seemed appropriate at this time in history. So here's what Henry James says in talking about leadership and guidance, guidance for leadership. He says, there are three things in human life that are important. The first is to be kind. The second is to be kind. You guessed it, it's coming. And the third, is to be kind. So we face a lot of challenges, Uh, children, caretaker, healthcare, financial, Zoom, the list is endless, but being kind is not as simple as it sounds. So here are some thoughts. Says, he talks about this. He says, now what we believe, each of us believe we're we're kind. We're gonna be polite, we're gonna be kind. When we look in the mirror, I'm not so sure sometimes we see some cracks either in our face or in the mirror. So here are the techniques that uh, Henry James and and channeled through a professor from Harvard named Boris Grossberg. He says, provide reassurance. Bob, you're not gonna lose your job. We're in this together. Yeah, I hope so. He advises compassionate listening. Yes, I truly can take some time to listen to your concerns without interrupting you and making notes on my phone and thinking about my next meeting. I'm gonna tell you that is hard to do. We are all to some degree ADD. Then he says, part of being kind, he says, make a conscious effort to validate people's fear and confusion. 
You say, I know you're afraid, and that is perfectly rational at this time, but I trust we will get through this together. So kindness is really important, and you need to really practice it. It's, it's not so easy. We think it is, and it's, it, another way to say it is, you've got to stand in the other guy's shoes, and I'm going to tell you it's not easy, whether they're high heels, flats, wingtips, or flip-flops. Standing in the other guy's shoes sounds easy, but it isn't. So, kindness is teachable. Uh, Richie Davidson, the University of Wisconsin, says kindness is teachable, and practicing compassion, either for the other guy or for yourself, can be compared to weight training. It's not a weakness to be empathic. Weight training is repetition. You got to do it over and over and over again. And uh, kindness can be contagious and calming. So I'll give you an example of kindness that my assistant of 28 years, Nicole, provides. When I start to bounce off the walls, what she says is, breathe, just breathe. It's not so bad. So it turns out that other people have uh, talked about kindness, and here are some of them. Um, Philo of Alexandria, that's uh, not Philo Doe, that's Al it's Alexandria, and it's not, it's not the real estate company. It's the one in... Uh, uh, Egypt, okay? He says, be kind for everyone is fighting a hard battle. Okay, I accept that. So here's the issues. Here are the examples. I hear you. I hear you is make space for your employee to speak safely and freely. We ask the question, are you okay? Now what we do is we say, are you okay? And then we just ignore the answer. But you know, if the answer is hesitant and to some extent, you're not okay, take the day off, go home. What can I do to help you? Now, you got to mean that. You can't just kind of stop. You can't blow by that. You can't just be, and, and even if you can't, got to be a sounding board. At least I can listen. And finally, this is, this is great. This is the Harvard guy says, he says, you should say the words, I'm there for you. And so I thought maybe I'd just sue him because he was taking part of I'm there for you, baby, but I'll let it go. The fish hook in all of this is you really need to be there, baby. And that is hard work. So I'm going to sort of give you the, the best. There's two ways. One is, you know, my, my buddy uh, Travis Bickle says, you're talking to me? And the answer is, I hear you. Okay, well, thank you very much. Barbara is my co-host and my bride. Uh, what did you think? Uh, Neil, um, I think being uh, kind is really important in many parts of life, whether you're in a nonprofit, in government, uh, in the business world, a large business, a small business, uh, being kind. And I'm, you know, I think you've demonstrated that your whole career. I think the fact that you have had the same executive assistant uh, for 29 years, about the same amount of time that we've been together, uh, says a lot about you and that you've been kind uh, throughout your career. And also, she's been chained to her desk, which improves uh, behavior. But what I love about our show is that we celebrate entrepreneurship, whether it's in your own business, a large company, a nonprofit, or government. And we're going to feature people who have an entrepreneurial spirit and aren't afraid to challenge the status quo. Neil, um, did you know that there are 4.65 million Hispanic-owned businesses in the U.S.? 
That's about 14% of all U.S. companies and Hispanic-owned businesses are growing at a faster rate. When compared with other U.S. businesses, Hispanic-owned small businesses are 30% more likely to be home-based. These businesses need to be digitally and technologically savvy in order to prosper, particularly at a time that the world has been turned upside down by COVID. Our guest today is Tidy Oberto, the founder, president, and CEO of the Hispanic Chamber of E-Commerce that was started to address these important issues. The organization has members all over the U.S. and is based in San Diego, where we have more than 40,000 Hispanic-owned businesses. Welcome, Tidy. Thank you, Barbara. Pleasure to be here. Great. So tell us you know, a little bit of your background and why you started this organization. Thank you. Well, I'm originally from Mexico. I was born and raised in the beautiful city of Morelia, uh, Midland in Mexico, in the state of Michoacán. I moved to San Diego in 2006. And uh, to be honest with you, Barbara, I wasn't expecting to start a business association. It was something that it just happened after I was working on my dissertation for my master's in, in uh, marketing. I realized that there was a digital divide between the general market and the Hispanic market. And I thought that it was important to address that issue because we had uh, a group of entrepreneurs that were underperforming in the marketplace because they were not using these tools. I started the association with that main focus, you know, helping small businesses on how they can use the internet as a business tool. What does the cross-section of your membership look like? Give us an idea of the types of companies that are members. You know, in the beginning, I would say like 80% of, of our membership were uh, in the professional services industry because it's, it's more, uh, I mean, those, those folks are more inclined into networking and and uh, reaching out, or, or I'm sorry, like gathering in, in certain uh, places to generate business amongst themselves. But now we have a very diverse uh, uh, group of industries within our association from restaurant owners, uh, contractors, attorneys, etc. So it's, it's a, and especially after this, uh, I mean, or during this pandemic, I think the that diversification of, of industries has grown because now more businesses want to have that digital presence. So what challenges did your members face before COVID? Well, before COVID, you know, historically, one of the main challenges for small business owners is access to capital. And, and that's, you know, until this, this moment, it's one of the main issues that they're faced. And after that, I would say the second one is uh, marketing, exposure, access to new markets. And, those are like the top two that historically I have seen over the years in our association. So this is important because I've, I know about the e-commerce e association you formed. And particularly if you have capital and if you're either interested or have an obligation to participate in that community, specifically banks and credit unions, et cetera, finding the guy with the business that could accept the money that you would like to is difficult. I think that solves the issue of capital, frankly, connect, connecting capital is primary. Customers will show up. I'm going to pick capital over customers. 
Well, that's, that's is wrong. So essential. But so do you feel your members, you know, that many of them faced um, major hurdles that were unfair in order to be able to access capital to start and grow their companies? Well, I think that there is a, a, a higher risk uh, factor when, when uh, a minority-owned business goes to a financial institution uh, for access to capital. I think I have seen it over the years that a lot of uh, entrepreneurs in our community feel like that there is that gap also in, in terms of the opportunities that they have to have access to uh, certain loans for their businesses. But the one thing that I always tell them, uh, Barbara, is that they have to be prepared and, and have to show the, uh, the plan to give confidence to these folks that are open to uh, provide you a loan, the confidence that they're gonna repay that loan. Because if you show up to one of these financial institutions asking for money and you don't have, if they ask you for a business plan and if you don't have it, or if your business plan doesn't have the right um, structure to make the lender comfortable giving you money is not going to happen. So uh, another thing that our association has focused on over the last 12 years sir, is to try to prepare business owners to, to better perform in the marketplace by having all these tools available for them. So with COVID, the, you know, the federal government set up the Paycheck Protection Program, uh, there were other programs in San Diego. There were city and county um, assistance programs. Um, do you feel that your members were treated fairly in being able to access these programs? Well, we know, you know, from, from the data that is available right now that the first round of the PPP uh, didn't benefit small businesses at all, not just minority-owned businesses, just small businesses in general. And what we're seeing right now with this round that just started on Monday is that it is a priority to, to, have, uh, to have small businesses access to this new round of uh, PPP loans. And actually last, last Saturday, we just had a, a little uh, uh, live uh, presentation to provide access to information to businesses in our community so they could be prepared since Monday and, and throughout these days to start uh, submitting their applications because oftentimes, and, and we know right now with this round that not every financial institution is uh, approved by the SBA to offer PPP loans. Mm -hmm. So that's the first thing that if, if you are right now doing business with a certain financial institution that is not part of the program, you're gonna have to open up a, a bank account with someone else to, to even be considered. And that will take 10 days or something to, um, you've got to focus on the banks. So to get these PPP loans, it, to, to a large extent, because one of my companies, two of my companies got these, not me personally, but my companies. And the banks sort of are the magic. So you, when you think about your association, I want you to market to the banks that say, look, you, you need these customers at your bank and you need to make it easy for them to become customers. Because when City National or Chase or J.P. Morgan, when they apply, they get the PPP. When Manny's bank on the corner of something with nine people, they don't get it. And, 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 the, and the paperwork is onerous, or let's say process-oriented. So you need, I'm going to say to you that some of the connectivity you need is, I want my Hispanic-owned businesses to now, before they need it, 
go and be, be customers at larger banks who will be more accessible. And then the magic of the PPP happens because the banks do it, not the consumer. These are their future customers and they better help them now because um, these companies will remember who helped them um, during the dark times. So are you providing technical assistance to help people navigate this process? Yeah, we, we have uh, uh, done that, you know, that since the pandemic started and also we have connected some of our members with uh, bankers in some financial institutions that we know that they are specifically serving minorities in their area. And, and uh, to Neil's point, I think he, he just touched something that is very important for financial institutions moving forward. The banks that I have seen that are being successful at deploying access to capital to minority-owned businesses is because they have a unit within the bank that specifically focuses on community outreach. And, 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 and just like you said, Barbara, right now it's, a, it's like a, a short-term investment, but in the long term, it's gonna greatly pay off to all these financial institutions because they are gonna earn the trust of these business owners that they are gonna stay so loyal to, to the bank that they will generate a lot of revenue over five years, 10 years, et cetera. So it is important that they reach out to, to the, the minority business community. So Tidy, what more would you like to see government at all levels be doing now uh, to ensure that you know, small businesses succeed? You know, we happen to live in um, La Jolla, and as I walk down the main streets, I see empty storefront after empty storefront. It is sad. Uh, these are retailers, and these retailers, you know, in communities all over the United States form the fabric of the local community, and many of them are going out of business and are never going to come back. So what more can government be doing to help these businesses? Well, I, I think we need to have in, in, in uh, positions of, of power, we need to have elected officials that are sensitive of the uh, uh, small business community and the, and the uh, issues that entrepreneurs go through. We have some states in, in the US that are more business friendly than others. Uh, California is not one of them. And instead of you know, trying to punish uh, the business community with taxes and red tape and all that, I think they need to come out with uh, programs that foster entrepreneurship, that they need to understand that we are job creators and we are uh, people that have helped to activate local economies because of the activities that we do. So it's not just big corporations, the ones that need tax write-offs and stuff. It's the, the, the backbone of America, the small business community, the ones that need the most help. So I would like to see more programs that foster entrepreneurship, that foster the digital economy, because that is one way that we can keep growing our economy at the national level, because we both know that the government doesn't have enough money to be, give, be giving away PPP loans, you know, every year. It's impossible. They cannot do that. So, so we need Tidy, here's the other side of that coin. Your org association needs to educate and improve the accounting, financial, business processes of the small companies. Because sometimes they do business on the back of a napkin, yep. and that's okay if you're tiny, but if you want to grow, you've got to teach them, here's what a financial plan looks like, here's the marketing plan, here's the accounting. And so your obligation is to improve them at the same time 
that we press uh, the government to be more respectful and responsive. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why so many small businesses didn't qualify for PPP loans because they didn't have that uh, accounting, that tracking, that financial uh, uh, process in order. Some of them didn't even have like a payroll company helping them out to pay uh, their employees. So you're- so I think we, we, right. need to get, you know. we need to get into it to back one of your organizations, yeah. right? TurboTax, yeah. you need that? Yeah, yeah. And, and as you said, it all starts with the fact that there is a digital divide and that needs to be addressed in a meaningful way all over the country. In San Diego, some of the things the city did during uh, the early days of the pandemic, and at that time I was a member of the San Diego City Council, is we you know made sure that more library that libraries could extend their internet access outdoors we put computers outdoors uh there's a private foundation that's installing wi-fi at all of our parks mm -hmm. in the city so that kids will have a place to go to do their homework uh to access wi-fi um i personally was very frustrated that many of the large prov internet providers were you know they have a ten dollar a month program if your child's in the school lunch program but what if you don't have a child in the school lunch program because you don't have any children? Or for many families, $10 a month is, is a few meals. Yes. And I think the providers, the Cox, the Verizons, the AT&Ts of the world need to be doing more. They're making billions of dollars off of our infrastructure all over the country. And mm -hmm. they need to be doing more to ensure that we that we address the digital divide because this is important to children growing up who are going to start the businesses. It's important to small businesses. They've got to have a digital presence today um, in order to survive. So now that I've had my rant for the day, my oh, question, oh, perfect. Um, what are your what is your area of focus for the rest of 2021 with your members? Well, definitely, you know, for, the last 12 years, I've been trying to convince uh, Latino business owners that it is important to be online and to have that digital presence. So, uh, you know, I have had mixed emotions since this whole pandemic started because some of our members uh, run out of business, but I have seen many of them that are successfully growing because of their, pre their online presence. So what I would like to see, uh, you know, moving forward is I, I don't want this trend to stop. Where, where business owners are reaching out to us for help on how this, they can set up their e-commerce store, how they can start promoting their business on, on social media, et cetera. I want this to keep going because I think the, uh, the growth of our uh, digital economy, and I'm not just talking about the Latino community, but the, the US digital economy is just gonna keep exploding. And, and small businesses need to have an active participation in that uh, growing industry and not just the big corporations that have the, the teams and the staff to have that digital presence. So one of my, of my missions is to keep uh, educating uh, Latino businesses, providing the digital skills that they need to, to, comp to be able to compete strategically in domestic and global markets through the internet. So Tidy, um, first uh, tell us how can our listeners find you? Well, if they, they Google my name, I'm all over the place. You know, I, my wife's complaints about my lack of privacy, but you know, it's, uh, they can uh, uh, send me an email or reach out to me through my social media. My email is tidedaraburto at hisecec.com. 
or they can find me on Twitter, Facebook, etc. One one thing that I have done through throughout the years is just to make myself available to the businesses that we serve, and, and trust me, it's pretty easy to find. Me. Okay, it's easy to find you. Does what does it cost to join uh, the Hispanic Chamber of E-Commerce? Well, we have a an annual membership of two hundred and forty dollars or twenty dollars a month. And what I've been doing uh, for the last few months is just trying to get uh, support from corporations that uh, want to connect with the business community. Because just like you said a minute ago, Barbara, uh, $10, $2,200, depending on what stage these businesses are in right now, every, everything helps. And I have like nine different large accounts at a bank called City National Bank. Have you whacked them? No, not yet. <laughs> okay, so when we're all done with this, I'm in, because I mean, you, you talk is nice, but I like to pick up the phone, put a gun to their head and say, yeah. Okay. Heidi, anything uh, that you'd like to add before we uh, conclude our conversation today? Well, you know, there is this um, uh, wrong idea that uh, technology is complicated and that having that digital presence is gonna take a lot of time to a small business owner that are already wearing a lot of hats and, and trying to uh, make it through through a day, you know, with their business. So what I want wanna say is that it is not difficult. You just need to find one or two avenues that are gonna provide you the visibility and the access to to those uh, clients that your uh, business need. So reach out to organizations like ours for, for help or many others right now that they are addressing the, the digital divide. And that's why I'm so excited because in the past, we were the only ones. Now, I, I, I'm seeing more Hispanic chambers and other business associations addressing this important issue. So reach out to uh, your local chamber of commerce or your business association for support. Because remember, you are not alone in this journey. And there are many of us that are trying to help you out. And we will do it as, as much as we can. Great. Well, Tidy, thank you. We're, uh, you. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, your organization is an important resource. And uh, we look forward to a better 2021 uh, for all of us. Thank you so much for the invitation and thank you for everything that you do for the uh, business community and entrepreneurs in San Diego. My name is Taida Burto. I'm the CEO of the Hispanic Chamber of E-Commerce. And you are listening to I'm There For You Baby, the Entrepreneur Guide to the Galaxy. Neil, it was great to talk with Tidy. You know, we're going to have another great guest on our next segment. Please stay with us. Coming up in our next segment, we'll talk with Hector Casanova, a member of the Hispanic Chamber of E-Commerce, and how he reinvented his fish taco catering business because of COVID. And in San Diego and many other parts of the country, fish tacos are very, very important. Thank you for listening to I'm There For You Baby, presented by IVN. Listeners, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear your ideas, uh, your point of view, suggestions for future guests. Please email us at info at I'm there for you, Do you have a business, nonprofit, or campaign that needs to break through the communications clutter? 
For over 10 years, IVC Media has developed a suite of digital tools, data sets, and creative techniques to help corporate, government, and nonprofit organizations deliver authentic, innovative, and effective communications. Our teams in San Diego and Tijuana can help you overcome the most challenging communications projects in any language or location. Visit us today at ivc.media. Welcome back to I'm There For You Baby, the Entrepreneur's Guide to the Galaxy. I'm Neil Centuria, and my co-host and bride is Barbara Bree. Uh, this segment is about a young man who started a business involving fish tacos. I'm going to tell you a story. It's a true story. So in 19, the early 60s, a guy named Barney Greengrass in New York, Greengrass decides he's going to open a delicatessen. And so he agrees that he's going to sell three things. He's going to sell corned beef. He's going to sell pastrami. And he's going to sell sturgeon. At the end of two weeks, he comes home and his wife says, Barney, how you doing? And Barney says, you know, it's the damnedest thing. I sold a half a pound of pastrami. I sold a half a pound of corned beef and I sold 17 pounds of sturgeon. To this day, Barney Greengrass, the sturgeon king, is the largest sturgeon provider in the country. So listen, the point of this is his customers told him what business he was in. He thought he was in the delicatessen business and he wasn't. He was in the sturgeon business and he became a monster success. So listening to your customer, they'll tell you what business you're in. And on that, Barbara, what's up? Next guest, Hector Casanova-san. Our next guest is Hector Casanova, a member of the Hispanic Chamber of E-Commerce and the owner and chef of Casanova Fish Tacos in San Diego, California. And in San Diego and in many other parts of the country, we take our fish tacos very, very seriously. Welcome, I, Hector. I want to All ask right. Hector the first question. Wait a minute. Now, okay. We've got a program, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to violate the rules. <laughs> Casanova Fish Taco. You know, Casanova was a great lover, of course. So is that yes, how you developed the title? How did uh, you... That is, that is actually my last name. Oh, so you're also a great lover. Uh, well, I, I, I always... I, I guess so. <laughs> I, I'm retired. I'm retired at this point, but but I guess that's the... My wife okay, always are you, said... Are you retired from loving or from cooking fish tacos? <laughs> You haven't retired yet. You've got this booming business. Barbara, why don't you ask him why he has this business? And yeah. how do we get some tacos? So first yeah. of all, how did, you know, what were you doing before you got into the fish taco business? And what, you know, what was the moment that you said, I have to have a fish taco business? You, you know, this came by accident. So before I was doing this, uh, I'm by no means anywhere close to a chef. So I, I taught myself and this kind of fell in by, I don't know, by grace of God. So I was a probation officer before I started my business, but I was, I was working for the county for, uh, I was uh, nine years. And then I always said I was lucky enough to be laid off. So this, the fish tacos thing uh, fell in my lap because we were doing football meets uh, here at my house. We were gatherings um, and we would do food. So we got tired of the usual stuff. And, and one of my friends, Actually, one of my friends suggested that we should do something different. And he was the one that brought in all the equipment to do the fish tacos. From there, we just started playing around with the ingredients. And that's kind of, it kind of embedded in me. And, and, and that's how 
everything came about. Was this uh-huh. with his friend? Was this one of the guys you met in prison when you were a probation officer? <laughs> no, he actually it was a good friend of mine uh, that that we invited always to the fo- football so games. So no. <laughs> So did you start making fish tacos while you were still a probation officer, just for fun? Yes. Right, right. So then, that, that was the whole thing. Right, and then you lose your job. How long ago did you, were you laid off as a probation officer? I was laid off December of 2008. So I started this business March of 09. And that, that was when we had a, uh, everything kind of fall apart here. Uh, in San Diego with the county couldn't budget and all that stuff. Remember housing went down. Oh, it, but so I, I always... remember those years well. We had a company uh, that we started on the day that Lehman Brothers went bankrupt. Not a great <laughs> time to start the kind of company uh, that we were doing. <laughs> so what do you think is special about your fish tacos? I mean, well, for me, it, it's at the beginning, if you would have told me I was going to make fish tacos for the rest of my life, I would have said no way. I uh, graduated from San Diego State, so go Aztecs. But um, I, I was not into the food. So at that point, I was just trying to survive. I was trying to make a living for, for me, pay my bills, my family. So, so it wasn't the passion behind it. Now, if you talk to me about my fish tacos, now I'm all over that passion. And I'm 100% behind my product. Do we have a store, a pop-up, or we make it out of our garage? Where do I go to get Casanova's fish tacos? Yeah, so well, tell it, us what you did before the pandemic. What was your business then? He was a probation officer. Well, no, no, no. Before the <laughs> pandemic, no, he had his fish taco business before the pandemic, and it but was sweetheart, a sweetheart. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find out if I can franchise this and take it public. So, as I understand it, you didn't have a restaurant. You started out as a catering business. So, what Correct. did your business look like before COVID came along? So, when I first started, I, uh, I was, I was. Nobody, and I always say I'm still a little dot here in San Diego. So when I started, I started at the farmer's markets. Uh, I started uh, getting into the farmer's markets and, and trying to not make money at the farmer's market, but try to showcase what I was doing and try to get at least a party out of the farmer's market. So I can, uh, catering is where my money, where the money's at. Everybody knows that. So um, the reason for me was to expose not only the company, my company that I was starting, but try to get at least a party here and there so I can so tell get us that name out. So, what did, so, you know, right before COVID hit, like, what did your business look like? What kinds of events were you doing? What was your annual oh, revenues? Well, uh, my primarily focus right before COVID was weddings. So, we, I was uh, in the wedding industry. I was doing uh, corporate events big companies. Uh, I was doing private parties, of course. So my company ever since I started from now grew a, a lot. So my, my events became 300 people, 1400 people, uh, feeding them in, in, in a certain amount of time. So for me, that was my, my bread and butter for that time where I hired staff. I had multiple vehicles going out uh, to cover these events. Uh, so, so as you grew your business, did you do this out of your cash flow or did you go to a bank and borrow money? I unfortunately, no cash flow. So everything, well, everything, I had to sell my toys that I had at that time, my trucks, my motorcycles, 
everything to, so everything was right. invested did, in you, did, did you have to sell the Lamborghini also? <laughs> I'll get that one back soon in a few years. I'll, I'll, I'll right, carry you. <laughs> so wait, I got to ask the questions, but Barbara's asking really important stuff. I'm more interested in, Hey, what's the secret sauce that 1400 people, I didn't ask how many weddings you personally have had. I'm on number seven. The, how many, <laughs> what's the secret sauce for this fish taco Casanova son? Well, Neil, the thing is that everything that I've, that I've done with this business is, is, is made in-house. So I don't go out and buy the cream. We make, I make our own stuff. And, and up to this point, I don't let my employees know the secret. I still make everything. So everything has got to be 100% to the T. So everybody talks about everybody makes things with love. But it's the mixture and the combination of items okay, that so I put on there. We're in the business of talking about innovation and entrepreneurship. So, and, and I'm in the business of trying to run some companies into the ground, which I have a PhD. So here's what's important about the business that you've just described. Pay close attention, brother. You've said, what makes my Casanova fish tacos different is a secret sauce formula, which is a trade secret. You can't patent, you know, you can either patent IP or you can keep a trade secret. So I'm suggesting you do the exact thing that the Colonel did. You take the, you know, take the secret sauce, you write it down, you put it in a vault because it truly is a defining. So when we take this dog public, you got to have a trade secret. Right. That's right. A, that's a, that's a, we're all out of. Uh, yeah, I think Neil, I think what Neil has said is very important about trade secrets and Coca-Cola of course is one of the most famous, you know, consumer products that has, you know, basically a formula that they've kept secret all these years. Uh, your story is fantastic. Stay with us, listeners. Uh, we'll have more from I'm There For You, Baby, as Hector continues his story, and we'll learn how he reinvented his catering business because of COVID. You're listening to I'm There For You, Baby, presented by IVN. The COVID pandemic has hit America hard, but it has devastated underserved and economically challenged communities of color. Nationwide, black individuals have seen 2.6 times greater infection rate than their white counterparts. The news is especially frightening for African-Americans who are at a greater risk of severe complications from COVID-19 due to underlying conditions such as heart disease, diabetes, and obesity. I'm Armand King, co-founder of Paving Great Futures, and I'm encouraging everyone in our communities to do their part, get tested, mask up, and avoid gatherings. Get the facts on COVID-19 on how you can best protect yourself, your family, and your beloved community. This message is brought to you by the Multicultural Health Foundation with funding from the County of San Diego in support of the Live Well San Diego vision for healthy, safe, and thriving communities. Welcome back to I'm There For You Baby, The Entrepreneur's Guide to the Galaxy. I'm here with my co-host, Neil Centuria, and our guest, Hector Casanova, the chef and owner of Casanova Fish Tacos. So let's go back to March, Hector, your last March. Your business is great, lots of catering, lots of weddings, lots of corporate events, and then COVID hits. What yes, happens to your company? 
Uh, so needless to say, I didn't know what, what was happening at that, that point. So we were looking to a great year, uh, already booked with events way ahead of time. Uh, by far, it was going to be our best year, I, I predicted. So as COVID hits and we started seeing these things, uh, not sure what's, what's happening, uh, people started canceling and people started postponing their events. So my calendar were, went from full to just like dropping events. And, and, and I, I didn't know how to take that. So first thing is I panicked because what, what is happening? Um, so what I had to do was step back and, and rethink, what was I gonna do? How was I gonna deliver my product during this learning time that, that we were going through because we weren't sure what was happening. So if I move into the reinventing of the business, uh, I developed this take home uh, family packs that I had previously done years back uh, for Super Bowl parties. So if people couldn't get me to cater their event or I was completely full, I will give them an option to buy a family pack where people can cook my fish tacos at home and not sacrifice the flavor, the taste or anything. So I said, I'm bringing those back. So, so I did and I started promoting that on my social media, uh, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, social media platform. So, so all the things you'd learn from the Hispanic Chamber of E-Commerce, all those digital tools were really, really important right then. Yes. But wait, there's a trick here, Barbara. He brings the, sends the pack, and then to cook it, you have to follow the directions. <laughs> yes, yeah, something not a, you're not always so good with. <laughs> so let me explain something, Hector. You know, there's cooking, then there's making it up in one pot, and then there's baking. Baking requires directions. Yes. So, you fo so following directions, that's that was challenged. But in general, I, I think delivering ready to go is brilliant. Neil, the, the beauty with my packs is that the instructions are to the minimal and they're bulletproof. So cooking time is five minutes. And in five minutes, you have a hot, ready to eat fish taco right in front of you with all my ingredients on there. That was the beauty. The hard part was to make it easier for everybody to say, I want to get this pack, but what if I burn the fish? What if uh, it doesn't come, it doesn't taste the way it, he makes them or, or me, I make them. So to put all, all that together in this box and, and have it being bulletproof, it, it's insane. And, and hey, wait, wait, stay, pictures. stay with me, stay with me. So you know about Blue Apron, right? Yes. So <laughs> the question is, you have a pack. Have you thought about selling it bigger? Okay, because what you just told me is it could show up and I can cook it just like Blue Apron, which where the instructions were impossible and I hated it and then I had to clean up and my wife almost left me. But in your <laughs> case, if it's bulletproof, all I got to do is put it in the oven. Just try not to blow the place up. Yeah, right. so in San Diego, Hector, people could come pick them up. You're, I think you have a warehouse in Spring Valley, or you could you went to other locations and. But could we sell it? Could we FedEx it? Could we go yes. big? The the answer is yes to uh, everything. So at the beginning, I was delivering the boxes by myself in person. I was dropping your your family pack. Watch what's going to happen now. We we have three hundred forty seven thousand listeners on this podcast, <laughs> and there's an investor out there who's going to want to take and expand Casanova's Fish Tacos more, bigger. 
Well, well Neil, are, are you already are you shipping to other parts of the, the country right now? Yes, and Barbara, that, that I'm shipping to New York, Chicago. Uh, I I done uh, uh, Arizona, Las Vegas, uh, LA, uh, Missouri. Uh, so people that have actually friends that have moved out of San Diego that live somewhere else, although they have family members somewhere else, they actually bought the packs for me. I ship them overnight and they get a San Diego taste somewhere else in the U.S., which is insane because my, my, my packs get all the way across the U.S. and I have friends send me pictures of the tacos that they're eating in New York. Casanova is in New York, you know. So for me, that was something that I needed to prove, that I needed to test. And, and it can happen. The downside, it's us, I'm a small business and shipping overnight, uh, it's a little pricey, but my community and my friends and my customers have always been there for me supporting my business that they um, get those. So Hector, before we get to the last question, I'd like to ask if you applied for any of the federal uh, assistance programs or local assistance programs for small business and if you were able to get any of this money. I, I have, and I'm still waiting. Some of them uh, were denied because I was a very small business, they said, on the email I got back. So uh, I'm still, I'm still uh, hope and hoping that I would get something. But at this point, it's been, it has been straight hustle since March with my ups and downs up to this point. Great. So what would you like to tell our listeners if someone wants to start a food business? Oh no, God, I want have... you to just tell them how they can get the fish tacos. Yeah, right. I don't want competitors. I don't want you starting another fish taco business. If you're listening, go away. What you need to be is a customer buying the damn fish tacos. That's how do they get fish tacos if they live in Iowa because they don't have any fish in Iowa. Right. Hector, please tell our listeners exactly how they can get some of your great fish tacos. Barbara, that will be my pleasure. So uh, you can find me on, on social media, uh, Facebook, Casanova Fish Tacos, uh, also on Instagram under Casanova Fish Tacos as well. Or you can Google, uh, go to my website, CasanovaFishTacos.com. Uh, if you Google Casanova Fish Tacos, I'm all over the internet. So uh, it'll be very easy to find me. Do you, ha do you have an option that has no fish? Uh, we can do, uh, I can do an option with no fish. But my thing is fish tacos, Neil. So fish tacos I, I have to without fish. All I want is the batter. Just <laughs> I just want batter in a in a tortilla san. There you That's go. I, <laughs> so Hector, is there anything uh, else that you'd like our listeners to know about you before we end? Uh, just support your local small businesses. We're fighting with everything we got, and and we're doing this pop up now, drive through pop ups in Spring Valley where I invited some of my other friends to come in and sell food, to stay in business, to stay alive during this thing. And, and, and I mean, like you said, we have to reinvent the business and I had to figure out a way to get my product out there in a different way. So, so with safety in mind, with all the, 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 the guidelines that the county puts on for the health uh, department and all that, I had to guide my business that way to the, still deliver the product uh, and keep my customers. So, uh, my customers have been the ones taking me over all this time, keeping me in business uh, well, right now. Well, Hector, thank you for sharing your story with us. It's very inspirational. Uh, you managed to stay in business during a most challenging time for many small businesses. And actually talking with you has made us a very, very hungry for a good fish taco. We'll be ordering a box soon. I 
Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Great to meet you all. Uh, we, I look forward to having you at one of my, my pop-ups. So please, please, it'll be on me. Perfect. Really innovative and creative. Powerful. Thank you, Great story. Great Thank story. Thank you. Appreciate it. I'm Hector Casanova with Casanova Fish Tacos, and you're listening to I'm There For You, Baby, The Entrepreneur's Guide to the Galaxy. Barbara, Hector's story really resonates. It's got a couple of key themes, one of which, of course, was his secret sauce, his batter. He's using it as a trade secret. I like that. Now, here's the my view or slightly darker sentence, which is he really has a business. And part of what Tidy should do or a mentor should do is he could grow this business. This, you know, my favorite original story about Barney Greengrass, the guy sells sturgeon all over the world now. So if he's really got something, he needs a business mentor that says, you know, if I'm selling X, I can sell 5X if I. And if he's paying too much at FedEx, he'll use UPS and he'll do bundling. He needs, he's busy selling fish. And what I hope somebody does is come and say, all right, you've done, you got the hard part done. You got something people will pay for and they like eating. The next part is, Growing your business is not simply selling more fish tacos the way you know to do it. It's to think about how to scale and expand the, what, the business that you kind of stumbled into, which is the value pack you send everywhere. Right. And what's interesting is, you know, post-COVID, the catering business will come back. He'll be able to do, you know, events again. Uh, but the selling the fish tacos in a box is something that can be scaled both in San Diego, where he doesn't face these shipping costs, as well as throughout the United States. Yeah, I think he's got a business. I love it. I love the story. I love that kind of spirit. I just want mine with no fish, just batter. <laughs> Two great entrepreneurs today, Tidy Uberto and Hector Casanova. Tune in next week, listeners. Uh, for another edition of I'm There For You Baby, The Entrepreneur's Guide to the Galaxy. Thank you for listening to I'm There For You Baby, presented by IVN. Listeners, this is Neil Centuria, co-host with Barbara Bree. And if you have any good ideas or want to tell us your point of view, what you think of this, well, you ought to think careful there. You can send your comments and thoughts to info at I'm there for you baby.com. I'm there for you baby is produced in San Diego, California, America's finest city. Presented by IVN. Do you have a business, nonprofit, or campaign that needs to break through the communications clutter? For over 10 years, IVC Media has developed a suite of digital tools, data sets, and creative techniques to help corporate, government, and nonprofit organizations deliver authentic, innovative, and effective communications. Our teams in San Diego and Tijuana can help you overcome the most challenging communications projects in any language or location. Visit us today at IVC.media.